Good evening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Acts 16 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, help us to glorify you. Help us as we sit and think, as you've given us isolation, Lord, as you've isolated us so that you may work great work um, in me and also in other Christians across the world as we spend time with you in the Holy Spirit. Help us sanctify us, cleanse us, Take our pride out of us, replace it with being other-centered, with being kind and meek and teachable, even able to hear other people that we disagree with, Lord, and even able to hear people that we don't agree with and that we are against theologically, so that we may be able to disagree agreeably, to have kind spirits, not self-righteous, smug, rebuking, angry spirits, but to be Uh, a spirit of peace and a spirit of meekness, a spirit of gladness. Help us to discern what we read as we read it and help us, Lord, to glorify you with what we say and do we pray in the name of Christ, our King and Savior, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. This is Paul's secondary missionary journey, um, Acts 16. But before, let me just read uh, the summary from Bible Ref. I'll just read the first little bit because it's quite a big summary. As the book gets longer, I guess the summary is also getting bigger. It says, Acts 16 describes the second segment of Paul and Silas's missionary journey. After their first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem and received official instructions from the church. Leadership there of the Gentiles did not have to convert to traditional Judaism. They did not need to be circumcised and follow the Mosaic law to follow Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Silas and Judas Barsabbas escorted Paul and Barnabas and Barnabas back to their home church in Syrian Antioch with a letter to that effect. So I think that's where it was first. we were first called Christians. I assume that's the Gentile Christians. After a falling out over John Mark, Barnabas took Mark to the island of Cyprus and Paul took Silas and a copy of the letter to the churches around Syria and Cilicia, the territories along the northeastern Mediterranean Sea. I do think and what happened is they met a young man named Timothy. Timothy, uh, his mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek. And I think they, d- they did decide to uh, circumcise him because he was going to work with Jewish Christians. And they realized he'd probably have better, um, you know, better results with them. He would have better results with them if he would sort of conform to their, um, to their customs. And I do think, I do think maybe that's something... Um, the Christian church, the Gentiles can listen to, because sometimes I've heard Christians say, oh, uh, you know, the Sabbath, and I've even said that too, I've walked away from that, oh, it's legalism, and you don't have to do that. Now, I think there are people who are Jewish, who, you know, grew up in Judaism, and they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they're still going to adhere to Judaism. And maybe I think what this says is the Gentiles did not grow up, did not have that system, did not have the Sabbath, did not have that. And so for them, it's a matter, that system is not part of their lifestyle, their culture. Uh, But for Jewish people who are Christians, maybe that lifestyle, especially to their walking against their cultural, uh, their family, and they're going to be ostracized. So maybe it is part of their uh, Christian walk. And I say that because we have been studying that under Jesus, many cultures have become, are trying to unite many people from many different cultures and habits and tribes. And you can't just obliterate where they've come from. I don't think God wants to do that. God doesn't do that. And 
I, I don't think it's really healthy to try to do that. And I think we have to move along to get along. I think the hill to die on is, is always going to be, and this is my opinion. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. The hill to die on is Jesus, his commandments of love God and love other people, relational commandments. And reading the Bible is God's word and letting God the Spirit speak to your mind and also prayer. And that's to me a dumbed down version of what Christianity should be. All this fighting about hermeneutics and opinions and this and that and my opinion is exegesis and your opinion is eisegesis. I'm sorry, uh, I say this with all humility, I'm not trying to be self-righteous. Everybody's opinion is eisegesis. Everybody reads the same passages in the Bible and interprets it in a different way. And that means that you're adding consciously or unconsciously your own um, way of how you see things. Have you ever noticed when someone is explaining something to the, to, to the explainer, what he's saying makes total sense, but to the other people, they're like, oh, I don't get this. Okay, this is about faith. This is about relationships. This is not something like a science experiment where you can just put it into a test tube and, and, and reproduce that. Okay, that kind of thing, that kind of thing, empirical evidence, that's falsifiable. That's the test of something as a theory to see if it can be proven true or if it can be proven false. God doesn't want to be falsifiable. He doesn't want to be proven or disproven. He wants you to believe that he's real on faith. He wants you to take him at his word. That is not science. That to me is above science. And to me, God is my science. But what's first is faith first and science second. Doesn't mean that I don't care about how the universe works. It doesn't mean that I believe in imaginary stuff. Atheists will always say that. But atheists just want to discount God and just go with what their eyes see. The concrete reality. That's not how reality works. It's the things that are unseen as well as the things that are seen that make up, that make up total reality. Okay, that's my rant. And let me just read Acts 16 and keep my mouth quiet. Because the more I talk, the more I get into trouble. This is about me reading God's word and for you to listen and you to think about it for yourself so you can have your own opinion. It's not about me controlling your opinion. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Paul went first to Derb and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. Even though he's preaching against it, he's saying, you don't have it, you don't have the Gentiles cannot be circumcised, right? I mean, when I was young, they circumcised babies, and I, they said that it was actually more hygienic to do that. I learned that in school. I learned that in my grade 7 health class. But now I've, you know, religion never came into it. And, um, but Abraham was circumcised. It was a sign, right, of, it was a, it was, it was a circumcision covenant, or it was part of the old covenant, the covenant by faith, right? So that's what they did then. And somehow it jumped to health in the era that I grew up in. And I don't really hear about it anymore. I, I don't know if the, I think when my son was born, they asked us if we wanted to have him circumcised or not. And the answer was yes. And I've heard people say that, you know, when a child is circumcised on the eighth day, as it says in the Bible, this, they do better than if they were circumcised on the seventh day or the ninth day. 
I don't know how anybody can possibly study that, but maybe there's some scientists that have a theory and test that somehow. I really have no idea. Anyways, um, they arranged for him to be circumcised before they left for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. So he's going to work with Jewish Christians and he's half Jewish. Then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled to the area of Pergia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mieza, they headed north for the province of Bithia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So it says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, it's used interchangeably to show you the oneness of God. So instead, they went on through Mieza to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Semarthrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. So there's a lot of we's going on in this chapter. I don't know if it's Lucas talking because he arranged to write things. So maybe it's Luke. Luke was actually there with him, I'm assuming. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. So Lydia Thyatira was that church in Revelation who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. So the thing is that she had that wanting, that thirsting for God. And that's what it says in Romans 1, that we all have some kind of thirst, some kind of conscience or something we want. We're always looking to something higher right? I mean, atheists are not looking to something higher, but, you know, maybe they were looking at something higher, but they decide there's nothing there, so they're sort of against God. Um, that's, you know, I saw a movie with a director that I know is an atheist, and the movie was very religious, it had a lot of religious terms, and the movie was like, you know, we don't want imaginary thinking. I get that. We want facts, but we have to give God deference, but that's my opinion. You know, the director is allowed to direct the movie the way that he wants and present the themes the way that he wants. And if you don't want to hear his themes, you just don't pay for the money uh, for the movie. And I saw it on, on the TV anyway, so it was free. It was a space movie. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Paul and Silas in prison. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her master. So was she was possessed by demons? Was she, um, you know, a little crazy? Um, you know, that, you know, the demons can make guesses. They can give certain kind of knowledge, I would think. You know, she obviously had some kind of power, but it wasn't the power of God. It was the power of Belizebub. But she was demon possessed. And I think that's what the same person uh, was like a person in uh, the Old Testament. I forgot the chapter. You know, Saul goes to the witch of Endor and this lady calls calls up Samuel and Samuel, the spirit that looks like Samuel comes from 
below and some people think it's it is Samuel I personally do not I don't think that the Lord would allow somebody to wake up uh, his prophet and why would the person come from above from from below if it was the prophet Samuel so I personally think that that's a demon but I've heard people say that's way too simplistic an explanation you decide for yourself what works for you 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 can decide how you want to interpret that She followed Paul and the rest of us, verse 17, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Wow. Her master's hopes were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials, They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening. So they're they're singing. I mean, they're in a dungeon. They're getting beaten up, and and they have this joy and this peace. I mean, I want this. I want to have the Holy Spirit. I want to to do what it takes. I'm sorry, I have to strive. Like, I know that God gives you grace and peace, but honestly, sometimes I hear in the churches, you don't have to do anything, you just have to believe. That sounds like easy believism to me. I'm sorry, you've got to strive. I, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. I go to the gym and I lift weights. I don't, sometimes I don't advance. I'm, I'm more tired. It doesn't matter. God doesn't owe us anything. I was thinking about that today as I was, God doesn't owe us salvation. Some people you beg and you beg and you beg just to read the Bible. They won't do anything. They won't, they won't help. You ask them to do something, they won't help. God doesn't owe anybody anything. You're not doing God a favor by believing in Jesus. You're doing you a favor. You're doing your internal life a favor. You're doing yourself a favor when that sky opens up in Revelation 1-7 and Jesus comes out of that sky on a horse and a sword comes out of his mouth. You're doing yourself a big favor by accepting Jesus and studying. Again, maybe I'm sounding self-righteous and I saw a video today about somebody talking about don't be self-righteous. Don't be smug and arrogant and angry and tell people and blast them. I don't want to do that. I'm passionate, but I definitely heard what that person said in the video, and maybe I'll tell you more about it later. I really took it to heart, actually. I just want to read God's word, and I am passionate. And I guess sometimes I just keep quiet when things irk me, and maybe I vent here, and I shouldn't. Because you're here to hear God's word. Okay, you do want some entertainment, you want some funny jokes. I can tell funny jokes. Uh, Did I ever tell you the joke uh, where it, uh, I I saw this on a webpage, um, it's uh, a piece of ham walks into a, a bar and he says to the bartender, I'd like a grilled cheese sandwich, please. And the bartender says, sorry, I don't serve food here. <laughs> Did I tell you that one? H- how about this one? A polar bear goes into a bar and, and he says to the bartender, I would like a rum and a Coke. And so the bartender says, what's with the paws? And the polar bear says, I was born with them. (laughs) Get it? The paws, P-A-U-S-E? 
slash PAWS. Do you get it? Do you get it? I know it's stupid. I know it's stupid, but you got to have some entertainment in your life, you know? Anyways, this is God's word. We better stop fooling around here. Okay. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Isn't there a great earthquake that's going to happen in Revelation 18? Like, I know this is just, this is a real concrete earthquake, and I'm sure maybe the earthquake in Revelation 18 is real, or maybe it's symbolic, I don't know. But this world is being shaken to its foundations, its core. Everybody says that. Everything is coming undone. The Lord is coming. Love is waxing cold. There's men bashing going on on the internet. There's women bashing going on on the internet. People can't get together. They can't have long-term relationships. There's no forgiveness. And iniquity shall abound. People are just doing so much criminal stuff. Like a guy said in the locker room two weeks ago, he says, you know, I have to go home and power watch on one of these streaming networks. I won't say the name. You know, that's where they tell you how to hide bodies, commit crimes, embezzle checks. Isn't that wonderful? And then he started laughing like a crazy person. All these movies, there's hardly any of them. I mean, I guess if you watch documentaries or comedies or whatever, a lot of these movies just tell you how to commit crimes. It's true. Everything is being shaken. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. That's pretty serious. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't know anything. He, maybe he heard about them, but he didn't know anything. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. The jailer was a nice guy. He was waiting for somebody to come along and, and tell them about the gospel. Show them the gospel. Maybe, maybe that's what I should be doing. I just show people the gospel. Just try to be polite and not get aggravated and, and smile. So many people, they don't smile anymore. Nobody smiles. I mean, you go somewhere, I don't know, it's just, just where I live, nobody smiles. The, some of the people in the gym are very, very, very serious. Like, I, I guess I would take it to heart. Now, sometimes I say good morning to, to the dudes that walk by me, even if I don't know them, but I've seen them in the gym. I, I don't really say good morning to the women, except if I know the person or the person knows me and they kind of look at me with a smile, then I'll say good morning. Like, you know, it just looks like people are just like glaring at you or, or me. Maybe I'm insecure. Maybe that's maybe I'm insecure. I'm an insecure 59 year old man. What's what's the big deal? People can say, hey, you need a crutch. You need Jesus. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I believe that Jesus is truth and he's not lying to me. And Jesus Christ is about relationships first and information second. It's about faith. Lean not on your own on, on your own understanding and trust in God. And he shall bring it to pass. Yeah. You're right about that. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in this household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and his, everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Wow, that was a fast conversion. Maybe they were watching Paul and, and Silas. Maybe they were watching how, like, wow, these guys are so different. They're not obstinate. They're not belligerent. They don't demand their food. 
They don't complain all the time. All they do is sing hymns. Why would anybody sing hymns like this? I, that's that's what I saw when I was in Newmarket. I was in the gym and this guy kept came and he was so nice to everybody. And later on when I went to the church in Newmarket, there he was and I went, this makes total sense. He was a Christian. He has the Holy Spirit. That's why he has such a nice attitude. Then he and, his, and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. I saw a person in a video today and she said, do you remember, you know, she goes out and walks in the fields, like she's a Christian girl, and she says she walks in the fields and she says she's aggravated and then she says that the Spirit spoke to her and he says, do you remember why you became a Christian? Do you remember what it was about? You know, even though you feel isolated, do you remember why you'll become a Christian? She says the Holy Spirit is speaking to her and you're reminded, why did you become a Christian? Because you wanted peace, because you wanted love, because you wanted to have a fullness of heart because you wanted something simple and yet so robust and so true and so powerful. They rejoice, don't you wanna rejoice? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Don't you wanna have joy? So, so much joylessness in the world. So much beatings up, as our pastor said, we're better at killing each other than loving each other. Isn't that sad? Matthew 24 is coming, my friends. Matthew 24 is slowly coming to pass. It is coming to pass. Lovelessness and unpeace and, and, and unniceness and unkindness. That's what the Antichrist, I think the Antichrist is gonna come and try to quote, fix, unquote, everything with laws and peace and religion, but it won't work because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He probably has a lot of word salad. He probably makes a lot of promises. He probably says that all religions lead to the same place, but he's not, he's not Jesus. And he's not, he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a fakey Jesus. He's a fake Messiah. He's a fake guru. He's the Antichrist, okay? That's my opinion. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you because people are looking for a savior right now because people are not having faith in their governments. They, we can't do anything. It's out of control. We need a savior. We need somebody to step in and rescue us. What better than someone who pretends to be working for God? I think it's coming very, very fast. That's my opinion. Verse 35, the next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave, go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not, let them come themselves to release us. He knows his laws, he's got a, he's got a very sharp mind and he's a bit of a fighter. Okay, you, you, can't, you can't do things secretly under the dark, especially if they are unlawful and illegal and he's calling them out. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. You're beating Roman citizens without a trial, without due cause, right? I'm not a lawyer, but that's what they always say in the movie, in the movies. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. <laughs> it's always good when people apologize, eh? I don't you love that? When you get bad customer service, you write a letter and somebody says, I'm sorry. Uh, we're sorry. Please, we apologize for any inconvenience that you might have been caused. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Can you apologize for the for the ulcer I have? <laughs> but anyways, they apologized. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Please, 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 please leave and never come back. Isn't that what the guy in the, guys in the Gadarenes uh, said to Jesus? You know, now that you've healed the guy in chains and you've uh, caused our pigs to run into the cliff, could you just leave and never come back? Instead of, hey, thank you for healing the brother. He was totally out of his mind and now you've healed him. They just want Jesus to leave. Isn't that something? When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they let, left town. So you know what? We're all here to encourage each other. Nobody's got the big picture. Nobody's perfect. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we have the Messiah, King Jesus. And through him, we have our Father God. Our Father, is God is love. And even though he may seem harsh sometimes, he sent Jesus. He didn't have to do that. Adam and Eve slapped God in the face. We don't want your leadership. We're going to do it ourselves. But God in his forbearance always has a plan. He had a plan before the world was. And he sent his son. His son is the plan. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the season of giving. Thank you for reminding us that the greatest gift that God ever gave us was his perfect son. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. Y'all take care now.